to New Holland. Just look at the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown, backing up traffic all the way to town. Camo hat and a farmer's tan. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. We're glad you're here. On this week's episode, we'll talk with Tom Oswald of the United Soybean Board about the Soy Checkoff's new tech toolshed offerings that help soybean farmers make better use of their technology and data. We'll also talk with Doris Mould, president of Minnesota-based Sunrise Agricultural Associates, about cultivating resiliency for women in agriculture. Then we'll tell you about an exciting partnership Fastline has formed with equipment appraisal company Iron Solutions to bring greater depth to the Fastline.com price comparison tool. Then we'll take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop for a conversation with and music by reigning Academy of Western Artists Pure Country Album of the Year winner Scott Southworth. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go! Before we dive in this week, I want to take a moment to remember Holly Carter, president of Carter Co. Ag Communications in Fresno, California. Holly passed away May 28th after a courageous battle with cancer. Holly was my guest on episode four of Fast Line Fast Track, and I encourage you to go back and listen to her insightful words of wisdom on crisis PR planning. The entire Fast Line Media Group staff offers its condolences and prayers to Holly's family, friends, and colleagues. My first guest this week on Fast Line Fast Track comes from Cleghorn, Iowa. He's a farmer and director of the United Soybean Board. It's Tom Oswald. And Tom, thank you for taking the time to join us uh, there during this frantic planting season here on Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy season, that's for sure. So as far as where things stand in, in your field and in your neck of the woods, how are things progressing? Uh, farmers are making progress. It's not been easy. Uh, to be honest, there's this, you know, every farmer's got a different story this spring. It seemed like small differences in circumstance make big differences and when they were able to make progress and uh, and get their work done. But a lot of guys are working hard right now trying to get uh, at least finished up. You don't have to go very far, and a lot of guys uh, got some even bigger challenges. So there's a lot of different stories out there this spring, I'll tell you that. Lest people think all you do is just uh, drive out in the field and uh, and drop seed, uh, it's a, it's a lot more complex than that these days. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is uh, the United Soybean Board, the Soy Checkoff, has developed a program called Tech Toolshed, which helps uh, producers really understand some of the technology and some of the analytics that are available to them to help them uh, maximize efficiency as they plant and also improve their yields. That's right. Uh, the Tech Toolshed uh, has come about actually over a number of discussions, but if you think about the United Soybean Board and our checkoff investments, uh, for those that don't know, uh, farmers pay in one-half of 1% of the uh, gross value of their sale, and uh, half of that then stays with the United Soybean Board, half with the respective state. And uh, one of the things we do, or what we do in the big sense, is, you know, how do we help farmers participate in this growing world market for protein and bioproducts? And if you think about the future, everyone thinks technology and the tech tool shed seem like a natural fit to help farmers learn more about these tools that are out there, how they can deploy them, and, of course, profit, hopefully, from 
the technologies. And again, we know technologies will evolve over time as well. So you, you have some important partners that uh, are involved in this project. You have five universities, Ohio State, Purdue, uh, Nebraska-Lincoln, Kansas State, and Iowa State. How were those particular universities selected uh, to participate in this project? Well, really, it was more of a, a case of what was the natural fit. You know, sometimes the best way to find great partnerships is just let people kind of flow in. They seem to be kind of in the space that would work for this project. But really, if you, re- if you read our materials, it's not just limited to those universities. It's very diverse. It just so happens that we had the, the people at those universities that worked very well as a fit in this project. Uh, it's a natural team. And what I really like about it is the diversity. You know, it's not like it's all just Kansas or all just the Ohio State. It's, it's a bit of everybody, and that diverse thought really brings some interesting materials to the table. And that's what people can reference there at our site. How have analytics changed the game for soybean farmers? Well, really, um, I've been messing in this space going back. I was just thinking about it. Back in the middle 1990s, there were all these conversations as the yield monitor came in and all that. I know I got my first yield monitor back in 1996 with a GPS on it. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of promise of what these technologies and things will do. And it's still a case of we're learning as we go. And on my farm, a lot of what I do, I use it to compare different treatments and things. Uh, a lot of those type things, you know, the data, farming is a bit of is uh, art as well as science, and we're still learning that, that, that interplay. And uh, that's what's helping is the better quality of data management tools, uh, how we utilize, deploy these things. You know, all kind of works together to elevate the, the combination of that art and science, if you will. At least that's the way it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. So how can the tech tool shed make data seem less intimidating to producers? Well, you know, it's not just data, but it's, it's all the equipment, the electronics. You know, if you think about a lot of farmers, me, me included, you know, we can fix a lot of things. But if something goes uh, bang with a, with a piece of technology, you know, where do you start? And so, quite honestly, I know one of the most nervous things for many farmers is when you push the button and does, does this electronic device boot up, start up like it should. And, and, and once you get comfortable that the stuff is going to work, then the next step is how do I use it, how do I maximize it? And uh, really the tech tool shed allows farmers who are really, we've been bombarded for a number of years now with, advertising and information of all these great benefits of technology, but a lot of guys would just want to step back and think about it and move on their own pace. And what the Tech Toolshed allows is an unbiased site. You've got the universities kind of looking over some of these things and providing insights. You've got other sources, but it allows the farmer to, to work his way through it at their own pace. And, and I think that's really the huge benefit because, let's face it, you sit in your office, you think, you read, you think, you deploy some technology, you know, and then you maybe ask for more questions. You know, it's, it's that continual evolution of progress, more questions, progress. And the tech tool should really fits in that space. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing there because um, when you get a lot of uh, big, fast terms you're not used to thrown at you, it becomes overwhelming. and. And the last thing we want farmers to do is not make progress into most likely a future space where 
data and technology is going to be increasingly important. So, Tom, the Tech Toolshed is based on six pillars of data literacy, the first of those being fundamentals. Uh, how does that play into uh, what you guys are doing here? Well, one of the things is, you know, um, again, for me, I've been messing in this space for 20-some years, but even so, it's awfully easy to, you know, becoming, you know, channelized on what you're thinking. And, and what the fundamentals are is they help you understand what can you do with this stuff. You know, it helps wake a person up and, and broaden your thought process. Well, then you got to think about the integrity of that data. Am I generating data that's going to have some value? And uh, I know, you know, it's the classic computer you know, concept of garbage in, garbage out. Well, it just elevates that conversation. Think about the quality of your data, for example. Um, for me, the 20-some years of data, you know, how do I capture this stuff and how do I archive it? Still working in that space. And uh, then again, you get sources. You know, how am I going to identify useful data to help me in my decision-making? Again, we farmers are being bombarded, and the tech tool shed allows that unbiased place to get some ideas on how to, to be useful or data sources you could use. And then, of course, when I say use, utilization. How am I going to put this stuff to work to make me some money, maybe reduce risk, uh, you know, help me be better at my craft, if you will. And then finally, this pillar is important, the legal aspects of data. You know, when your data used to be your, your shirt pocket notebook, and, and I can just remember my dad's the same way, you know, data might have been, you know, how many rows from the such and such fence post with a coffee can on it. Well, now it's all, you know, electronic, and it's in the cloud, or it's this. And, and what is the value of that, you know, the legal aspect? Uh, what do I have there? And it's an asset, and I look at it as a bit of intellectual property. And so it's important for farmers to elevate their thinking that it's more than just a few notes. It's more than a, the information on a, a USB drive or a digital, a digital uh, signature, if you will. It, it's... It's, this thing has value, and again, it's for the future because everyone in the future is going to be asking more about the story of the crop that's going into the food they eat. So given the challenges with weather, the markets, trade, rising input costs, et cetera, which have been uh, just well chronicled over the past few months, what, what do you see as a bright spot in the industry, and how can producers remain positive despite some of the turmoil out there? Farming has always been a series of ups and downs, but I think the thing, at least in the soybean industry, is we're part of the protein chain, and it's more than just planting a crop and raising a crop. We're part of a much bigger picture. You know, protein is the humanity around the world grows. You know, we're growing. There's going to be more people. Their their economic status is going to get better, and when they do, they, they look for more protein. That's one element. Soy is is clearly dominant in that space, and we expect to continue to be there um, even through ups and downs. And then you also look at the rest, you know, the bioproducts, this whole, this whole thought about, you know, well, is this sustainable? Uh, everyone is asking the sustainability question. And, again, we think soy can be very well positioned for the future as it is right now. Our story is excellent regarding our U.S. soy sustainability, because people want to know, are you reducing or eliminating soil erosion? You know, what's your environmental footprint? Well, guess what? With data, we can start to demonstrate that. If we can help farmers tell the story of what they're doing, 
how they're deploying these resources, these controllers, if you will, in the tech space, you know, that all supports that story. I know I've uh, presented in front of some international grain buyers showing them that I can tell them where a certain tank of fertilizer went related to the scale ticket in that tank of fertilizer, and their eyes open, you mean you can do that? I said, yes, and it's, it's very doable. That's part of our story, and we expect to get better at demonstrating how U.S. soy is an excellent uh, feedstock for almost any purpose, whether that's a, a bioproduct or for, for the food chain, the protein chain. So I consider that a bright spot. I think that's just a great story. We're going to get down there. We're going to we're going to be competitive, and we're going to our farmers will do well in this. That's our job is to make sure the doors are open for our U.S. farmers. This tech space is one of the ways we plan to do that. So, Tom, if people want to check out the tech tool shed for themselves, where do they go? Make sure people go to www.unitedsoybean.org/techtoolshed. Uh, just hang out there and browse around, even if you're not a farmer, because I think a lot of people are finding, wow, these things that these farmers are deploying are really cool. And uh, we're not necessarily in a paper notebook world anymore, so uh, even the non-farm listeners might enjoy it. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, de- definitely do that. Make sure you go to United Soybean org and, and check that out and uh, we'll also share that link on, on our socials so you make sure you can link to that but uh, again tom thanks thank you very much have a good one again that was tom oswald with the united soybean board and next up we take you to minnesota where we catch up with doris mold the president of sunrise agricultural associates a consulting consortium that focuses on ag advocacy economic analysis training leadership development marketing and strategic planning and other aspects of agribusiness so, Doris, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thank you uh, for having me. So, uh, you know, it's no secret that stress levels in ag are on the rise. Uh, women are taking a more active role, and not only are they trying to balance uh, work and life, but uh, there, there's a lot of pressures being thrown at them from all different ways. And uh, you have some very valuable resources there that, that you can share with our listeners to help them navigate that and, and manage some of the stress that they face in, in productive ways. Well, I I agree with you there. We um, actually, just to give you a little bit of background here, first of all, I am a farmer as well as a, an ag consultant, and currently I'm serving as immediate past president for American Agriwomen. And we formed a partnership uh, between American Agriwomen, uh, University of Minnesota Women's Ag Network, uh, District 11 Agriwomen, and UMASH, which is the Upper Midwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center, to put together a series of programs to help uh, women in agriculture um, as far as dealing uh, kind of with the stressful things in their lives. And the reason why we're focused on women is that uh, women often are ignored when it comes to talking about ag stress, but also women play an integral role in agriculture, especially on farms and ranches, as far as kind of working with the whole family and helping everybody kind of get their work done and kind of being there for everyone. And so if the woman in the family goes down and is having issues, she can't be there to support everybody else. And so that's uh, that's why we put the program together, and it's been going great. And uh, if our listeners uh, want, want to, uh, to check in on where they can find some of those resources, where do they go? They can either go to um, American, www.americanagrowomen.org uh, backslash webinars, or they can also go to UMASH's Cultivating Resiliency page. So you could just uh, 
uh, Google UMASH, U-M-A-S-H, and both of those websites have uh, the recordings for all of the past sessions that we've done, and then they also have a link for the sessions uh, that are coming up. And we do have one coming up this uh, Friday, June 14th on anxiety, depression, and coping skills. And uh, those sessions, people can just... Uh, uh, sign up, and they're totally free and anonymous, so no one knows that you're participating. So if you want to listen in and uh, be part of that, you also have an opportunity to uh, send in your questions. So our people that we have uh, working with us, they're trained social workers. They both have backgrounds in agriculture, so they really connect well with our agricultural audience. You know, they're, they're not some... Um, person who has no ag knowledge that's giving advice as to how to how to deal with some of the stressors that we deal with in agriculture. So that's a great session that we have coming up. And then um, we some of our past sessions have dealt with, uh, we had our last session actually dealt with suicide and the agriculture way of life and kind of what you need to know for suicide prevention. And I know that uh, uh, you know, we're hoping to deal with people that are at the kind of beginning of their journey on stress, and then we certainly want to help people that know folks that are in real tough shape as far as stress. And, and then we have a whole bunch of other sessions that we have been doing um, actually since December that are kind of self-care in, in, and will help people kind of maybe figure out what they can control in their lives and help them kind of reduce the stress levels as well. And last night we tried something. We just piloted this program, but we are doing an online chat as well to help um, people connect in agriculture and just kind of share stories and share stressors and things like that and share ways of managing those stressors. Uh, once we get some things worked out, we'll be publishing dates and times where people can go to register for those things on the websites as well. So there will be some opportunities for people to have some interactive um, online chats as well. Where they, where they can talk with other people that uh, maybe are having some of these same experiences that they have. Mm -hmm. So w when you go out and speak or you meet with uh, w women there in your area, what are some of the common questions that they ask and what are some of the common concerns that you hear voiced? Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, the, the thing is, is that uh, if anybody's stressed out there, you're certainly not alone. Um, most of the people that we've worked with and that we've heard from uh, are either stressed themselves or working with uh, family or friends that are stressed. And um, that one of their concerns for a lot of people is, uh, especially those that have men in their lives, you know, how do they get um, men to take better care of themselves on the, uh, you know, as far as depression and anxiety and kind of coping with stress, you know, how to help, uh, how to help them kind of talk about problems and things like that. That's a, that's a big concern. Um, and also how to f not feel guilty about taking time for themselves and doing what they need to do to keep themselves healthy. So, so those are some of the things, and and we also did a national survey, which we're just beginning to um, kind of analyze the data. But we found that um, we surveyed people from across the nation. We got over 300 responses, and 90% of the people in the survey say that they're experiencing stress because of agriculture, in some way, shape, or form. So, whether that's weather conditions, like no one, you know, people have are late on planting their crops. 
or it's financial um, issues, or in some cases it's transition planning, just transferring that farm from one generation to the next. You know, the thing that we're recognizing through this is that while things are tough weather-wise and financially for a lot of farmers out there, they're really, you know, we're facing stress pretty much all the time. It's kind of part and parcel as far as our vocation is concerned. So, you know, helping people just deal with any of the stressors that might be coming in their lives. Um, I did did also want to, to bring up that we have a session coming up in July, and that will be on July 12th, and that session has not gone up for registration yet. But we are going to be talking about um, the title of the session is Addressing the Pain and Agony of Major Changes in a Farming and Ranching Life, Strategies for You and Those You Care About. So what we all know, and we all um, we all know people that are, are really struggling and perhaps some um, are not going to be farming or maybe not farming in the way that they have been in the past. Um, where I'm from in particular, we see a lot of dairy farmers struggling. Uh, I have a dairy farm myself, so... I know the challenges that are there, and uh, you know, for for somebody that that's been your life, and that's maybe what your family's done for generations, and perhaps you're selling your dairy herd, and getting to transition to beef cattle or cropping, or in some cases, unfortunately, some farms are no longer going to be farmed, period, by that family. Um, you know, how do we how do we address that when that is part of who you've been? and part of who your family has been for generations. It's not just a job, but it's the way of life. And so um, we're going to try to tackle some of those issues. We know that those are tough for people, and we're hoping just to give people a few tools that might help them um, better navigate those, those rough waters. So I asked this question to my last guest, Tom Oswald, with the United Soybean Board, and I'll pose it to you as well. We talk about so many challenges in the industry, but how do you maintain positivity? You know, you can't ignore the challenges or act like they don't exist, but by the same token, you don't want to live with that dark cloud hanging over your head constantly either. So how do you maintain a balance there and find the silver lining in all of this? Well, you know, um, I think, well, there's a lot of a lot of things. I mean, doing a project like this helps me immensely and just because um, I know that I'm helping others and that makes me feel better about my own situation. Um, but I think, you know, those of us that live, uh, have lived on a farm or ranch and are in rural, rural United States, if you think about the beauty that surrounds us, I... You know, I had a breakdown the other day, and I wasn't real happy about it. But then I was walking around the field edge, and I was noticing all the different wildflowers that were blooming and the insects and that were there and all the little things that I'd miss if I was, you know, going about my business like I had intended. But I, it just stopped me long enough, and I just thought about how fortunate I am to live in such a beautiful place. And, you know, that's... That, those are the things that I hang on to, you know, being able to go, in, go out for a walk and check fences and uh, the heifers and see the wildlife that's around me or, you know, just being able to sit for a few minutes uh, and contemplate what I have around me. And every night, actually, my family does at, at dinner time we, when we're at the table, each person talks about three things that they're grateful for. 
even if it was the crappiest day, day experience, they usually can find three things. They might be pretty simple things, like the fact that we've got hot running water, but, hey, we've got hot running water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we focus on. We focus on those, those positive things. Um, not saying that that we're all it's all bright and cheery, but you have to you have to focus on those things. Mm-hmm. Well, and Doris, one more time, could you give us that website so uh, we make sure that our folks get to the right place to check out all these valuable resources that you guys offer? Well, uh, again, you can go to um, www.americanagrowomen.org backslash webinar. Uh, that will or webinars that will have the information for um, the web uh, the webinars that have been occurring. Also, the UMash site, and again, UMash is the funder has been the funder on this project is UMash, U M A S H dot U M N dot E D U backslash cultivating dash resiliency. So both of those websites will have the information. Please share that far and wide. It's totally free. And we want that to be spread out as, as much as possible. Please also look for new things. We are expanding the work that we're doing, so we'll be offering some other things. We are going to be offering some face-to-face things in the future as well. So there's a lot of things coming down the pike to try to help folks um, in, in rural America. And uh, we're hoping and, uh, and also to help people in agriculture in general who are working with farmers and ranchers. So we know that this impacts uh, a lot of people, not just production ag, but the people that work with those folks. And so we want to um, spread the word about what we're doing and also um, spread the word about all the great work that a lot of people are doing. So um, we're going to try to uh, spread the word on on more projects and uh, be happy to uh, uh, hear from folks as well. There's usually places to contact both uh, organizations on our websites and and let us know what you think well doris we sure appreciate your transparency and we appreciate all the hard work that you're doing to uh, tackle some of these really tough issues and uh, bring some positivity to it and you're welcome to come back here on fast line fast track anytime you have anything you want to promote and and we just want to keep this dialogue uh, moving forward well, and, and, and I just, uh, if I can end with, and I appreciate that, if I can end with that um, folks out there that are having uh, challenges, uh, you're not alone. There are a lot of us out there, and um, there's a big team of people that are working on trying to make things better. This is certainly not a solo project by any one person. There are a lot of people behind the scenes uh, developing things to try to make a difference. All right. Well, thank you so much, Doris. We appreciate the time, and uh, we look forward to talking with you on down the road. Okay. Thank you so much. Next up, we talk with Linda Rader, the general manager of Franklin, Tennessee-based equipment appraisal company Iron Solutions, and Bill Howard, the founder and CEO of FastLine Media Group, to talk about a unique partnership that will bring greater depth to the FastLine.com price comparison tool and help equipment buyers and owners better understand what a piece of equipment is worth. When visitors come to FastLine.com and use the price comparison tool, they'll notice the addition of the Iron Average. Linda, explain for our listeners what the Iron Average is. Iron Average is the average value of the average piece of equipment of that year type make and model. And it's very hard in agricultural equipment to say you actually have an average because there's so much variation among the equipment. But So what we do and what we specialize in at Iron Solutions is determining sort of the base specifications for that type, type make and model. 
and the base hours that are associated for a piece of equipment like that of that age. And it is for that piece of equipment that we provide the iron average. Our full iron appraiser tool can then add those options and adjust for the hours to get the actual value of that piece of equipment. Bill noted that the collaboration between Iron Solutions and Fastline, companies that both have a rich history, should give buyers confidence that they are receiving data from sources that are well-trusted within the ag industry. And one of the great things about this is both of our companies have been around for over 30 years. So the highest thing that we value is the integrity that each of us will bring to this product. And that's the part that we feel is going to be a major plus for this agricultural market. And Lord knows we know there are challenges out there for the farmer. And this is one way that we are trying to help them. So if you're in the market for a piece of equipment, visit FastLine.com. Check out the price comparison tool, look for the iron average, and make your purchasing decisions with confidence. That's FastLine.com. And now we head to the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee, where we catch up with Scott Southworth. And Marge Scott won the Best Pure Country Album Award from the Academy of Western Artists for his current album, Hey Hillbilly Singer. He's a three-time AWA Male Vocalist of the Year nominee, and he's been a duet partner with another friend of the show, Bobby Marquez. He also is the former co-host of the Music Row Show on legendary WSM Radio in Nashville, which for more than a decade exposed listeners to some of the greatest songwriters in the history of country music. Back at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And we've got a really special guest here on Fast Line Fast Track. It's Scott Southworth. Hey, Hillbilly Singer, the name of his uh, current album. And also the reigning Academy of Western Artists Pure Country Album of the Year. Congratulations on that recent honor. Thank you very much. Isn't that nuts? Man, that, that's incredible. <laughs> so so many great artists uh, were vying for that, and uh, it was well-deserved. It was it was a real honor that uh, that organization as a whole, it's just a, an honor to be part of them. But uh, it's it's that's one of those uh, awards that are... Uh, 100% nominated and voted on just by radio DJs around the world. Uh-huh. So, so that's pretty special to me. One of the interesting things about that is I hear so many people just talk about the country music industry as a blanket, you know, as a genre. Uh, country music has gone downhill. Country music, no good, no good. You just got to know where to find it. I mean, great country music is out there. And today, given the internet and social media, uh, there's never been more opportunities for guys to to put music out there. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not I'm not hard to find. You know, website scottsouthworth.com on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at say howdy Scott, uh-huh. and on Tinder I'm at Brent Adams. <laughs> That's how you find me there. Yeah. But, come on. Uh, <laughs> hey, and did you know this? Not I, I was googling this the other day. Did you know that if you put in Scott and S O U, the first three letters of your last name, you're on the first page of that. So. Really? Yeah, man. Wow. So there you go. How about that? You heard it here first. So. I tell you you I'm, aren't hard to find i'm not hard to find but you know but you're talking about the the music and 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 i do hear people complaining about it but you know what um i love what's on the radio right now on on terrestrial radio mm-hmm. because if if luke bryan and and jason aldean and florida georgia line were out there singing that traditional country music uh-huh. 
who'd want to see me do it? You know, so I, they can keep on rapping and keep on shaking it in their little jeans. And I'm going to go in my baggy pants and play my country music to anybody who wants to still listen to traditional country music. Man, as you're going to hear in a little bit, it is incredible music. And, and Scott has carved out just an amazing niche and has gotten into uh, to some of the amazing places. If you talk about legendary honky tonks and, and music venues in uh, in Nashville, you know, you play uh, quite often at the Bluebird and Burton Lindsley. I do. Um, man, you, you've developed a, a great following there. Well, and, and uh, I, I do most of my stuff I do out of town, too. I mm-hmm. mean, there's so many places in the southeast that are that want to hear it. And then, of course, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, man, that, that blew me away. I, I put out my little album and and yeah. all of a sudden it's getting played all over all over Europe. Well, you led me to my next question, which was, you were going to say uh, that you were getting played outside of, of Nashville, but really outside of Nashville. Yeah. You have developed a huge following in uh, in Ireland and Germany and uh, all over Europe. It's been it's been nuts. I mean, every the last few years I've been heading out and I've, I've toured in Switzerland and Germany and France and Norway and England and Ireland. I'm heading to Spain and back to Switzerland this year. Wow. Uh, I'm already booked for France, France again next year in 2020. And it's uh, it's fantastic. And what's crazy, uh, Brent, is there's um, these people are just starving, not not starving, but they just they, they crave that traditional country music. And and you go out and there's thousands of people there and they're singing your songs back to you. Yeah. And it's, you know, for 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 an old guy that's as, as surprised by this as anything else. It's just crazy when I see young people in an audience that that may may or may not speak English. Yeah. Singing my songs back to me. Wow. It's crazy. Man. So you're originally from Oregon. Yes. So how how did you get hooked on country music? Where does that come from? I think it came from my parents early on. Uh, My my father uh, played, you know, when I was in his in his truck, he was always playing country music. He lived out in the desert in California. Hmm. My mom listened to a lot of the the current country at the time. My dad was more into the, the 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 real hardcore country. And then I really didn't. I mean, I, all the bands I was in were, were rock and, and blues and wow. reggae, and I was doing wow. all this stuff. And it wasn't until much later that I realized that, because I was writing songs mm-hmm. through, through all the bands I was in, I was writing songs, but none of my songs fit the bands we were doing. So I was playing all this different type of music, but I was writing traditional country music. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what had latched onto me as probably two or three years old wow. is that had been in, in me, but I, I fought it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fought yeah. it for a long time. So from that standpoint, who were some of your musical influences? Um, uh, Merle Haggard and, and, uh, uh, Johnny Cash. My very first album when I was three years old was live at San Quentin. Wow. Um, uh, I mean, I, I love, uh, I love Waylon. I love, I love Lefty Frizzell. Yeah. I love, uh, Hank Williams, senior and junior, just all that stuff. I, I, I eat it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, man, uh, so much of that comes through in, in what we hear you do. Uh, Thank you. One of the other honors that uh, you received recently, Country Music People Magazine named you the Indie Songwriter of the Year for 2018. Man, that was a huge surprise. And that magazine, I have to say, that magazine has been so instrumental in my success in Europe uh, when they first reached out to me and, and started talking to me and, and and reviewing my stuff. They've been so supportive, and uh, it's it's been amazing. But to be to be named that... Uh, really meant a lot to me because that's 
you know, I moved here 15 years ago to be a songwriter. That's my priority. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. So for that to be recognized, and that's why the album of the year by the AWA meant so much, because that meant that they liked all the songs, Mm -hmm. and that that was important to me. So you've got more than 70 cuts as an independent songwriter. Right. Uh, You've been here kicking around for 15 years. One of the coolest things that you did, and I know every time we talk, I I remind you of this, and not not to guilt you or anything, but uh, man, you did for so many years the Music Row show on WSM. Yeah. yeah, I just love listening to that every week. That Thank was you very much. In, uh, you know, we're based in Louisville and spend a lot of time in Nashville. So uh, it was either streaming it there or in route between Nashville and Louisville. I was always listening all the way up 65. Always had great guests and always brought so much insight into what's going on in uh, music row and beyond. Thank you very much. It was a it was a great thing to do. We we uh, you know, we did it for 10 and a half years and. Um, it was something I'll always treasure that that time, and I got to meet so many oh, of my yeah. heroes. I mean, Little Richard and mm. and Dolly Parton and uh, Ralph Stanley, Vince oh. Gill. Uh, I'm on and on and on. People that that I got to sit sit next to, just like we're sitting here and just and just talk music. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just something that was always very very important to me. But uh, after after ten and a half years, it was time, and plus with things kicking in Europe it was like okay I only have so many balls I can have in the air because I do work a full-time job as well Uh so it was I needed to make some choices yeah so uh yeah man you bring up a great point Uh, working a full-time job in addition to being a full-time country artist what is that work-life balance like it's fantastic (laughs) it's fantastic seriously I mean I'm I'm living I'm living my best life right now I love my job Uh I'm out and I work in 15 states and I'm dealing with with folks that are that are working hard and we're wearing steel toes and 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 I get to spend time in in that world which is a a world that I love to be in Mm -hmm. and then uh and then I get to hop on a plane and, and go play hillbilly songs in Europe or go play at the Bluebird or Ernest Tubbs record shop, for goodness, record store. Yeah, yeah. And I get to chance. I've actually played the Jamboree before, uh-huh. and that was a real thrill for me. Man. Yeah. Uh, so when you go out to do your day job, uh, does everybody want to talk music or do you get to talk uh, A few business? of them know. Yeah. A few of them know. But uh-huh. uh, most people, I just don't. I don't lead with that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, those are two separate parts of my world. So what's on the horizon for the rest of 2019 for you? Um, lots of shows. I'm hitting the road uh, pretty hard this summer and in the fall. Uh, I'm going to be doing a little mini tour back at home in Oregon. Oh, nice. Last year, my high school uh, honored me with, uh, put me in their Hall of Fame. Wow. And so that was, that's probably the only Hall of Fame I'll ever <laughs> see. And that was, it was so, such a big deal because I was a terrible student. Uh, and so for them to, to, to even remember me, much less recognize me, was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember following that on social media and seeing the pictures. And that, that had to be a huge point of pride to be yeah, able to do that. It, it really was. And so I love, I love going back home. I love being part of uh, Springfield, Oregon. So I'm going to be going back there and playing some shows. And then, like I said, I'll be going back to Switzerland and then uh, headlining uh, a country festival in Spain. Mm-hmm. It'll be my first time in Spain. Barcelona, right there on the beach. Oh, it's wow. going to be amazing. So any new music in the works? Yep. I've been recording. Uh, I, you know, Hey Hillbilly Singer just came out in 18. Mm-hmm. So I won't be releasing a new album this year. I might release a song later this year. But I got between Hey Hillbilly Singer and The Last Honky Tonk in Town, I have these two uh, traditional country projects that are only three years old, the, yeah. the latest one. So 
or the or the the previous one's only three years old, so I got plenty to be touring on right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in 2020, I plan on having a new uh, a new album out. So I wanted to go back just briefly because the, the one thing I wanted to understand was uh, you're you're doing all this in Oregon. What what is it that compels you to say I'm going to move to Nashville and make a go of this? Well, it's uh, I, I knew that they they needed one more songwriter. <laughs> they're, they're, the, the, the 50 million that are here, they needed that one more. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I wanted to, you know, the, the, the great thing about being in Nashville is you're, you're writing with the best writers around, you're recording with the best players around, uh-huh. um, you're making, you're, you're surrounded by the cream of the crop. And mm-hmm. so it does one of two things. You either hang up your guitar and walk away, yeah. or you want to just keep yeah building your your yourself and you want to keep building your music up and so it's it's so inspiring uh-huh. to be here and be around these great people it's 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 amazing well it seems to be a huge gamble that's paid off in a in a big way for you and uh, man i just wish you the best of success with it well, and, thank you and well, you too well, you've been killing it out here with your oh, fast man. line fast track well i appreciate it we've yeah. been you know as i said listening to the music row show for all those years that really drove me to 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 want to do what what we're doing here you know just getting that insight and uh, you know and then starting to make the connections through some of the other stuff i was doing down here but uh, man that it, it, what you were doing was a huge inspiration to me so. well i don't know if i should it's, thank you for that or apologize to you <laughs> for for leading you down this path no man and i tell you it's <laughs> it's opening a ton of doors here and it's great and, and you know it's it's giving fastline the opportunity to uh, take music like yours and take it directly into the heartland, right into the uh, into the hands of the people that want to listen to it, and uh, uh, you know, creating some new opportunities for artists. So I love I, it. I'm just glad we're able to do it. So. Well, I, I look forward to getting down there and into the heartland. I, I have not done many shows over there, mm-hmm. and I'd really love to. Yeah, I, I love that whole area. Superman. Well, we'll stay in touch on it, and then maybe there's some way where we can partner up and, uh, and a fastline music festival. Yeah, man. Well, huh? it, 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 that's been batted around. Let's do it. Let's stay tuned. <laughs> We'll, we'll get it done one of these days but uh, Scott Southworth man I really appreciate the time and uh, I hope to have you back here uh, when, when you got some new music to throw our way thank you so much for having me real and honor alright brother alright hey y'all my name is Scott Southworth I'm gonna sing you a few songs and first one goes like this hey hey hillbilly singer sing me a song about a cold-hearted woman done a good man wrong. Here's a 20 in a bucket. Keep the sats coming. I'm filling it up all night long. I need a beer-drinking girl, cheating, tear-weeping, broken-hearted country song. Most Friday nights I'd be that guy too, stepping across the floor. But since she said goodbye, don't feel like dancing anymore. Didn't see her leaving coming. Man, she took me by surprise. They say misery loves company. I need me some tonight. Hey, him, Billy Singer. Sing me a song about a cold-hearted woman done a good man wrong. Here's a 20 in a bucket. Keep the sands coming. I fill it up all night long. I need a beer-drinking girl, cheating, tear-weaving, broken-hearted country song. Yeah, I do.
You'd think by now I'd drink my way out of this neon hell. But I'm stuck on that lost highway. Hank Williams knew so well. You'd understand the band must play a line dance now and then. But when you played Hank's your cheating heart, Felt like a long lost friend. Hey, hey, Billy Singer, sing me a song about a cold hearted woman done a good man wrong. Here's a 20 in a butt. Keep the sads coming. Fill it up all night long. I need a beer drinking girl, cheating, tear weaving, bro, walking hearted country song. I need a beer. And there it is. Thank y'all. And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see this next song. Again, my name is Scott Southworth, scottsouthworth.com. And uh, in honor of Fast Line, we're going to do this song for all the farmers that check out this podcast. And I hope you like it. It's called It's a Farm Thing. We live, we die By the dirt in the ground And the rain from the sky We cuss, we pray For every single acre Every single day Weekends, huh, what's that? There ain't no days off When the crop gets fat So fuel it up, grease the chain Load that hopper, fill the grain It's a farm thing early Morning, gotta hit them chores. Putting in a hard day, working till we can't work no more. We ain't got much say, and we'll say just what we mean. It's a farm thing. We plant that seed. Till our backs are bent and our knuckles bleed Have faith all year We never know what we're getting till the harvest here Hey, gambling man You ain't gone all in till you bet on land So roll the dice and let it fly Jackpot hits when the corn is high It's a farm thing early morning Gotta hit them chores Putting in a hard day Working till we can't work no more. We ain't got much to say, but we say just what we mean. It's a farm thing. I said, hey, gotta bail that hay. Work that dirt and bust that clay. Looks like rain, hope it pays. If the market holds, we're going to do okay. It's a farm thing, early morning. Got to hit them chores, putting in a hard day. Working till we can't work no more. We 
ain't got much to say, so we say just what we mean. We ain't got much to say, but we say just what we mean. It's a farm thing. Yeah, it's a farm thing. I said, hey, hey. You know I got mine From over at Fast Line Give me three of them There we go Man, I haven't played that song in forever uh, But I uh, hope you liked it uh, This next song is off my Hey Hillbilly Singer CD And it's called The Honky Tonk in Me There's been women that try to find my sensitive side And a few attempts to settle me down Good girls have prayed I'd see the sin in my ways Finally stop my rowdy nights of hitting the town Then you came along, we're like peas in a pot Fitting together naturally Oh, darling, you bring out the honky-tonk, the honky-tonk in me. I scold pictures of brew, a few games of pool, before that country band hits the stage. They two-stepping all night, maybe a parking lot five. To you and me, it sounds just like a hell of a date. You're a roadhouse dream You're the finest I've seen In your Stetson hat and wearing them jeans Oh, darling, you bring out The honky-tonk The honky-tonk in me Come on, Mark! Darling, you bring out the honky-tonk, the honky-tonk in me. Hey, Jess, you bring out the honky-tonk, the honky-tonk in me. Right. 
And that was the great Western sounds of Scott Southworth. Be sure to check him out at scottsouthworth.com. And if you're in the market for farm equipment, make sure you make your first stop, fastline.com. Also, be sure to follow Fastline Fast Track on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. And add our Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests. Until next time, it's Brent Adams. Y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastlineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, Fastline.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at Fastline.com. Yeah.